Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. City, the great New York City, and an undisclosed. What? You're here. <laughs> I'm actually here. I'm actually here. See, you feel that? <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually here. <laughs> I'm actually here. Oh man, that hurt me. <laughs> With the great uh, my co-host, the great Jamal Murphy, sitting to my right, actually right here in the studio. Good to see you. You know what I mean? Like, I, well, but you in know, the you, flesh. You can't always just, you know, like, like. I remember there was this, this great Rasan uh, Roland Kirk um, album. I forget what it was, but he was doing it was a live album, and so he was saying, "Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're gonna go. Uh, we got we're gonna we we we're gonna be gone next week. Uh, we actually just going around the block, but you gotta go because you just can't have people. Oh, that's that local group. Sometimes you just gotta like go somewhere so True. people get. You know, you just can't. You gotta leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we just around the block, and then of course. Cross from me is a great Nabate Isles. Nabate, what's going on? Oh, everything's great. Thank you, Bill. A yeah. Pleasure, pleasure to be here in studio. See you right here. Okay. You know, it's good. You You're too. Good, yeah. you know? <laughs> and Nabate, we have a we have a tremendous guest. Uh, Nabate, I'll let you uh, bring in and introduce our, our, our tremendous guest. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's an honor and pleasure to have this gentleman uh, to uh, my left, and uh, this man is as definitely been one of the innovative voices in the, in the music, uh, the jazz art form, uh, that music, that art form, the America's classical music, the true American art form of jazz. And this man uh, is a tremendous vibraphonist, but not just great vibraphonist, but great pianist, great drummer, mm. uh, percussionist overall, great composer. And uh, this man is a member of the San Francisco Jazz Collective. He also has many albums, a few albums on Mac Avenue on that label, uh, which is the preeminent jazz label, as well as a professor at the Peabody Conservatory of Music, which is part of John Hopkins in his hometown of Baltimore, Maryland. Mm. It is uh, our pleasure to present Bros Pod. We'll present the great Warren Wolf. <laughs> Wolfman, woo! Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. So wait a minute. First, first of all, I went to Morgan. I went to Morgan State. Mm -hmm. Morgan Bears. Yeah, the Morgan State Bears. I actually uh, worked at the Afro American newspaper mm -hmm. and the Baltimore Sun. So you know, Baltimore's in my soul, man. I was always, I was actually a jazz critic at the Baltimore. So I went to Left Bank Jazz Society. Oh wow! wow. All okay. the time. Yep, every yep. every Sunday. Were you hip to the uh, the uh, no, nah, I think they had closed down by the time, you know, when I started hanging out. I started hanging out in, uh, actually, when I was probably like 1989, 90, there was a club in Baltimore called the uh, the Sportsman's Lounge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that yeah. was owned by, you know, since we talk of sports, that was owned by the, the, the great Baltimore coach, Lenny Moore. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. But mm. that, that club was not there anymore. They tore it down and put a, put a, um, a supermarket in this place. <laughs> but oh, wow. my dad used to start he used to play at this club like every weekend with his band it was like a jazz funk band and sometimes he would have me come down and sit in with them who's so, your dad? his name was Warren Wolf Sr. so he he didn't play like professionally he was more he was a history teacher he taught wow. United States and world history in the Baltimore City Public Schools but on the weekend he 
he uh, played, you know, just to make some extra dollars. Oh, well. So, and where'd you go to school? High school, I went to the Baltimore School for the Performing Arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have some some good people out of there. There's a lot of actors who, who are actually doing great things on the scene now, but the two people, Pinkett. Jada Pinkett, Pinkett is like the, the main Tupac one. Really? Tupac. And, and Tupac yep. went there yeah. for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's some other people, uh, I'm just not familiar who they are, but there's some other people who are doing some great things in today's uh, entertainment world. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so, you know, Baltimore, man, even Baltimore has such a great, um, and I think underappreciated musical legacy. I mean, mm-hmm. UB Blake yep. from mm-hmm. Baltimore. I mean, so yes. many great people. There's a lot. UB Blake, uh, uh, Billy Holiday, Cap Calloway. Yeah. Those are some like the earliest ones. To uh, we can talk about Gary Bartz, uh, Gary yeah. Thomas, mm-hmm. Dennis Chambers, yeah. and then there's a whole crop of young musicians who are do- doing things nowadays. Like you can include myself, uh, my friend Lee Pearson. He's a drummer mm-hmm. for uh, uh, Chris Bodie, uh, Tim Green, Tim, Tim Green. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a number of musicians there, you know. We're just kind of just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> I always kind of wish I about, about Washington. Washington always kind of sucks up all the air. But I would argue that Baltimore's music scene. Definitely. And certainly more soulful because you don't have that fucking White House shit. And the Supreme Court and, yeah, and, 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 and Capitol Hill. What you got against the White House, bro? Oh, brother. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> but it's great having you here, man. It's, it's great. pleasure to be here. You know, so, um, you know, and Abate, thanks for reaching out. I saw you a couple of weeks ago. Mate, well, whenever you were at the uh, Jazz Lincoln's uh, mm-hmm. at Dizzy's, and I just kind of mentioned it. Yeah. And uh, I said something. I mean, I bought the, I bought the CD, mm-hmm. and they said, "Yeah, man, I love to have you on a podcast." We were surrounded by people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, All right, kid, get away, kid. <laughs> but, but he heard you. He heard you. Yeah, yeah but this is great, man. So, so uh, let's let's open up. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to discuss. One of the things I, I'll this will kind of be my last. I was telling the bot and and, and uh, Jamal that I've always been fascinated. Even when I was at Jazz Creek, my first gig, my first gig. Um, trip overseas was as a road man for Billy Harper, for, mm-hmm. for the Billy Harper Quintet. Yep. And, um, you know, I've been writing about this music, and he called me up one day, and he said, man, you've been talking about this music all the time, man. You, you really want to see about this music? I'm going I'm going on, on, on the road for a month to Europe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In that voice. Yeah, like, <laughs> on the road. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, it wasn't like this. It was like, opposite. Yeah. You know, I can't even. Billy Harper got that, that Dracula I, that, voice, Blackula. Right, right, right. Like, uh, blues. William what's Marshall. Up? William Marshall was the cat. Yeah, what, what's, the, what's the Philly Joe Jones blues for Dracula? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Down <Yeah>. Dracula. <laughs> anyway, so, so I, yeah, so I spent a month, a month on the road being, quote, unquote, his road man is disorganized as my ass. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't realize till the end of the trip what my real function was. Yeah. It was like, you know, you're on the road and then you know, you'd be meeting these ladies and all that. I'd be like talking to no man, your job is to introduce us them to us, not to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the road manager comes last. <laughs> that's right, that's right, <laughs> but it was just a great uh, it was just a great opportunity to really be around the music and in a in a in a very uh concrete, consistent way to kind of understand things, understand mm-hmm. the way the music comes out. And I remember it's the last the last it was the last year we were in Portugal. And it's what I won't mention the guy's name, but every you know at the end of a long trip, everybody's dragging and stuff and dragging, and we got to the stage and so Harper and he said something I I, I always took to heart is like how I define my career. He said before we went on stage, this one cat was just kind of dragging. He said, "Listen, man, I don't record that much in the United States, and for all I know is that 
this may be the first time somebody in the audience sees me, or it could be the very last thing that somebody hears me play. And so the way I approach this might be is that I put every single night, like it could be the very last thing I play, or it could be the first time somebody hears me. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing that. Mm. I said, you know, that's how I'm going to approach everything. Like, maybe every piece I write may not be the greatest thing I write, but it's not because I didn't put everything in it. Mm. You know, so <clears throat> anyway, there's no question. It yeah. was just, I was just. <laughs> Definite <laughs> lesson right there. Yes, indeed. Sure. Yes, indeed. And I love, that's something I want to keep hearing, <laughs> you know, for right. sure, especially with, with traveling. And Warren, talk about the travel grind and the hustle and everything and doing that and setting up your own gigs as well as being a sideman. Um, how do you keep yourself like mentally sharp, mentally focused? A la how athletes have to do it when they travel and everything mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it's a lot of different things. Everybody is different. For me personally, I mean, I'm married. I have uh, at least at home, I have two kids with me. I'm also divorced. I have three older kids. Wow. Um, five kids. Five kids total. Yep. My Age oldest, what? God my, bless my, you. <laughs> <laughs> my oldest is 19. Wow. Three boys in the middle, 15, 12, and those. Uh, again, the older three are from my ex-wife, and then the from the uh, the new wife, uh, my my first son, he's four. Wow! And my little girl, she's two. Wow! So what do you have four four boys? Three boys, three two, boys girls. two girls. You're in the Jamal Murphy club. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just talking about. I'm I'm in training session. <laughs> but the, you know the traveling grind. I mean, it can be a lot, especially when, like for instance, I remember back in November we went out with the F Jazz Collective to Europe. We went over there for three weeks, and we were moving around every single day. Yeah, so man. it's combined with the with the uh, the time change. You know, we're playing gigs at mm. uh, ten o'clock at night when it's really five o'clock in the morning over here, and mm. it takes about two weeks to get used mm. to that. Maybe a week sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just gotta. What was the question? Again? <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you how do you do how do you do it? Yeah. How do you, how do, you do it? Maintain, I mean, maintain your like focus and maintain like uh, not be energy, not be right. stressed. Oh, uh, like for that. me, is is honestly, it's in the gym. Mm-hmm. Like I go mm-hmm. in there, I, just, I, I go in there to wake up. I, I try to do little things like that. I listen to music. My energy, my energy is always at the hard time high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yep. I, I'm never really sluggish. I'm not a sluggish person. So I'm just. I'm just ready to go for the most part. I hardly ever take naps and things like that. I just kind of just go for it. Just go. And that commitment to the gym. We Definitely. see we see the we see the t- videos uh, <laughs> videos on uh, on Facebook and yeah. on Instagram. You know, t- talk about your prowess, like especially with the weightlifting. So I'm a gym rat. <laughs> when, I remember when I first got to Berkeley. This was a uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. I got there in the fall of 1997. I was a tiny guy. I was only about. Um, maybe 150 pounds. And I, back in high school, just to go back, I used to get teased a lot, man. Because so uh, a lot of people, I mean, people still say it now, though, but it's cool. People would say all the time, like, Warren, you got a, you got a big-ass head. <laughs> <laughs> so I w- when I got to college, I was like, I need to find a way to grow into this head. Uh, <laughs> so my roommate at the time, his name was James Hardy Martin. He was a, uh, a sound guy for uh, uh, Tony Braxton and mm, okay. all these hot R&B artists. He, he uh, was like, man, let's, let's go to the gym. I'll show you a few things. So that first semester, I ballooned from like 150 pounds up to like 190. Then over the years, I just kept lifting and lifting and lifting. I got up to about 260 pounds for my height, and I'm only like 5 feet 10. (laughs) But I was just on a mission just trying to like just – at one point, you know, this was in my 20s, I was just trying to be like the biggest person walking around. But (laughs) since then, I've tried to just calm down and do add a lot more cardio, Um, you know, running – 
three to five miles every single day. A lot of that is because of my wife right now because she's a ballerina. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she's always trying to keep me in shape too. So, mm-hmm. uh, But it's the commitment to the gym for the most part. That's what keeps me going. It, it makes me... I don't know, that, that keeps my focus. It's inspirational, because I mm-hmm. remember when we worked out, man, I was like... Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I was telling you, I was like, come on, push Nabate, push. And he was like, ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> our, our producer, Erin Matthewson, is a really... She was a former bodybuilder, but she she's run, like, how many, like, four marathons, just run the New York Marathon, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I just started. Yeah. Just started. She she works at, uh, she well, at Equinox. So she put... she she. Introduced me to her training because I said, you know, I want to start a training training regimen. Mm-hmm. Fine, I just want to get in shape, the best shape I can at my age. Yeah. What I do? Oh yeah, we lift the mic up a little bit. And so, um, yeah. she she turned me on to her trainer. Mm-hmm. It was like it was it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> a, good, a good awful. Well, yeah. well, in the long run, <laughs> your, your word not mine. What's yeah. the, what's, the, what's the good workout? I mean, I'm right now. I'm just on the elliptical. You know, it's all depending on what your body can handle. I mean, like for for instance, yesterday I, I ran ten point three miles because I was bored. I didn't wow. really have much to do. <laughs> but you know, typically, like I was talking to Terry Crews about this. You know, Terry Crews, well, yeah, right, right. And he tells me he was like, "Man, you know, at max, I do thirty minutes on, on cardio if, if that's running or stairmaster or whatever. But as long as you're eating right and then just trying to just push your body to the next max. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm hitting. Typically, it seems like a lot of a lot of my buddies. Mondays is like Universal Chest Day. And then Tuesdays come around, that's arm day, th- Wednesdays legs, Thursdays back, Friday shoulders, and then fr- uh, Saturday and Sunday is probably back to cardio for me. So I'm in there every day doing something. Um, people, people say that, that, you know, I hear it more now and recently mm-hmm. um, that, like, lifting is cardio. Like, I never used to hear that back in the day, yeah. but now it's like that's it, the thing. Especially if you're doing a, the, a, a nice amount of reps. Mm-hmm. Because at one point, again, I, w- I was trying to say I would put 300 pounds on the bench. I would try to hit that two or three times. A lot of that was for ego. Nowadays, <laughs> I'll probably do, say, 225, which is like a standard thing that you will see in, like the, combine. The, in the combine. <laughs> and if I players to see how many times you could do that, if I can hit that out, over which I can, if I can do that like 15 to 18 times and do like four or five sets of that, that's a lot of cardio right there as, as well as develop, developing uh, the muscle and cutting. Uh, right. Cutting up a little bit, right? You know, so I follow a lot of the exercise people out there, from Terry Crews to Michael Ja White. Uh, you yeah. know, some of those guys are my idol. I'll even look back at some old Bruce Lee um, uh, flicks and see if I can get some inspiration from that too. How, how does that help you on the on the stand? I mean, it just in terms of music, because it, it, you know, easily, you, man. Yeah. I remember years ago I was playing at the uh, Village Vanguard with Christian McBride, mm. and uh, this is again at this time. At this point in time, I was really just concerned on just getting big and getting pumped, and uh, but I wasn't doing any cardio at all. So what happened? I wasn't used to breathing, and the muscle would get tired. Mm. I'm, you know, and the instrument that I play vibraphone, you have it's a lot of arm work. Yeah, mm. yeah. And um, particularly the way you play. Yeah, the way I play it. Destroying It's like, for me, cause it's a volume thing. It, you know, if, you have, if I'm playing behind a drummer that's pretty loud or that's into it, I have to find a way for my instrument to project over top yeah. of him. So that was another reason why I started working out. So um, um, I was just, again, getting big and stuff like that. But then eventually I was like, wait a minute, I got to figure out something. So this is around the time where I met my 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 now current wife. And she was like, you need to really start getting your cardio together. All the outside muscle looks good, but the one most important muscle that you have to take care of is your heart. 
Mm-hmm. And come to find out, you know, after, you know, I lost my mother a few years ago and then my, my dad just survived a uh, double bypass heart mm-hmm. surgery. I was like, OK, I think there's some heart stuff going on in my family. So I, I need to go ahead and get that together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of that has helped when it comes to playing. I learned how to breathe right. You know, when you're younger, you try to show off a lot. <laughs> at least for some people. So <laughs> then, you know, everybody in this room. <laughs> well, for me, you know, when I, when I'm playing, at least when I was back then, you know, you see a couple of nice looking uh, ladies in the room. You want to play some of your best stuff. Mm. So I start <laughs> showing off and playing extra fast. And then when I'm done, I would go like you pass it off to the next solos. But then I would be in the back of Krishna or whoever, and I'm just huffing and puffing like, mm. oh man, I'm tired. So I started going to the gym a little bit more and changing things up, and I started incorporating cardio. So mm-hmm. now, I'm I'm cool now. You know, mm-hmm. none of that stuff really happens. I'm not gassed anymore. Let me ask musically. Mm-hmm. How how did you get started? Were you like born with a with a you know instrument in your hand type of thing? Or, you know how people start? You know, basketball players start yeah. dribbling at age two. Was it like that? Pretty much. Um, again, my father was the one who started me. I started playing at the age of three. Um, piano, right? Piano. Piano or, or you know how most people in elementary school they give you a set of bells, right? right the bells, mm-hmm. the little things you put on the table. So I started <laughs> doing that in the drums. But did I really want to do it? No. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad is so militant. He was a uh, he was a he was a Vietnam veteran. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what he said, I did. <laughs> you can get down in that basement, go practice, and it was also a good um, way to keep me off of the streets because you know, growing up That's in right. Baltimore. Right. I grew up in uh, Emerson Village. Oh, was boy. Boy. Nice you know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so Emerson Village is one of the toughest parts in Baltimore mm-hmm. City. There's a lot of murders, rape, drugs, yeah. and all that type mm-hmm. of stuff like that. And a, a lot Especially of my... the 80s, the crack. Yeah. Yep. Starting, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. my dad was like, in order for me to stay away from all of that stuff and keep me straight and narrow, and I have two older sisters, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, I'm going to give you something to do. So that involved practicing. So I started at the age of three. And three, so you were straight up practicing. Three, three. years old, wow. three years old, wow. and I mean wow. like strictly strict, uh, five days a week from five thirty to seven o'clock. I'm way behind on my son. My son's four. He's <laughs> <laughs> doing no type of practice. <laughs> <laughs> we was getting it going on, man. Every single day from from age three up until the age of eighteen when I left home. Wow. So. Wow. And then the hours, of course, increased as you got older, because because then you started to love when it. You started yeah, really, yeah. When did you go from that to start loving it? I started to really love it when I got to middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the, we had a jazz band, but we weren't playing like actual jazz songs. I remember some of the songs we played in middle school. We played um, um, "Pretty Woman," you like the theme from <laughs> yeah. the, the movie "Pretty Woman." We also played um, "Eye of the Tiger," mm-hmm. the, the Rocky stuff. Um, but it was still with a jazz band. Like we had the five trumpets, four trombones, and all, the host of saxophone players. But we just didn't play like we didn't. We weren't playing Duke Ellington and Miles Davis. We were playing all this other stuff. Mm. Um, but to be honest, it really started in middle school. I, I recall playing a, a keyboard solo, and I saw the reaction from my classmates. And mm. I was like, man, if they like this, I wonder what else can happen. You know, because mm. my my personality is. I like to make people happy. I like to make people feel good. Right. So if right. I can do that through the power of music, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, around 12, 13 years old was when things really started to click for me. And when did you get to the vibraphone? Yeah. The vibraphone, yeah. I mean, that started at three. Really? Mm. Yeah, it's just that I play everything. My dad knew that he wanted me to, me to, to be proficient at the vibes, piano, and drums. What, okay. was, what was his instrument? Vibes, piano, and drums. Everything he played, I copied. Wow. <laughs> and wow. it wasn't just jazz, too, because, again, he wanted me to... He wanted me to be well-rounded. So 
a lot of people thought they they think that I was brought up as a jazz musician, which is really not really the case. I did jazz, I did classical, mm-hmm. right. I did pop music. So if we're talking the eighties, so if we're talking like Anita Baker yeah. uh, and Yellow Jacket, Spiral Gyra. Mm-hmm. But and then my parents, because they're big fan, you know, they're born in uh, forty nine and fifty. Um, I got a lot of Motown in, in me, yeah. mm-hmm. so I was listening to a lot of that stuff. Um, and then with my two older sisters. I was also getting a, a good introduction to the 80s hip hop. Mm, so right. I was listening to Salt and Pepper, Run mm. DMC, Al Cool J, and, mm. all, and all the other I folks. Camp, all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I had a good mix of everything just being played in the house. Um, yeah, so that's what oh, happened. Man, that's a, so, you know, I'm, two things. What I'm fascinated. Oh, sorry. Devante here, Jeff. You know, you prof- be a professional, bro. Just talking. No, we got to hear you. We got to hear you, <laughs> yeah. but you got knowledge. I'm always curious, you know, because a lot of the stuff I write about is about racism, music, mm-hmm. like power dynamic. Uh, and, and so, you know, um, I'm always looking at audiences. You know, uh, I guess in my generation, you're, I'm probably like your mom and dad's age, mm-hmm. like that 1950 mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so, you know, I grew up in Chicago. And so, um, you know, back then you had taverns, so in the black neighborhood. You go in the black neighborhood, and I say, oh, there's Gene Ammons. They do that, man. How you doing, man? All these guys live in your community. Mm-hmm. And so at, you go to the tavern, like there's Von Freeman playing. Mm-hmm. It's like an all black the black folks playing for black folks and that kind of stuff. Then at some point, it moved out of the community. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the, the thing changed. So even now, like, I'll go here, you play, or go to Disney, something like that. The audiences invariably are, like, overwhelmingly white, almost mm-hmm. like everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm wondering, A, what you think about that, but I'm also encouraged, though, that, you know, although you're young and you went through hip-hop, whatever, whatever, you came back to the music, mm-hmm. to jazz. So I'm encouraged that no matter what the other influences are, you know, um, there's still this core of young black musicians who are playing the music, no matter it was hip-hop, this or that. I guess my, my why is, I mean, why, what's, a about the white audiences, but also why does this music endure? Do you think why is this this such a strong, or is there still a strong thread with young black musicians handing this thing down and taking the mantle and all that? I see it as far as musicians loving the music. That can happen, like as far as uh, for the most part, what I see is black musicians who want to play the music. As far as black people coming to view the music, that's pretty tough, you know. Out, since I live in Baltimore City, which you know is predominantly like 65 to 75% black, you go to most shows down there, again, you're going to see mainly white people. Now, a lot of my African-American friends, they will come see me because they are my friends. Right. They'll support me. But will they be at the next artist show tomorrow night? Probably not. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. It, you know, this what you're saying is something I was thinking about over the weekend because I'm at the Jazz Standard this week, well, this entire week. And for the most part, every show has been predominantly white. Now, I'm happy that everybody is, the place is sold out, which right. is great, mm-hmm. but I would love to see more people who look like me there. Um, Million dollar who, question. How and, and what's the solution, you think, on how that could be facilitated? I, I don't know, man, because it's really weird to me because... Especially being in education yourself, mm-hmm. you know, like... Mm-hmm. Probably it's a, it's a money thing. Who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I work at Peabody... Preparatory, uh, conservatory, mm-hmm. and in that entire program, there are two two black students, at least for the jazz department. Uh, I guess it depends on if you, if your parents want to invest the money in you for that reason. Uh, 
Who knows? Um, I don't know. It kind of makes me upset sometimes. I have a lot of friends who always ask me. They were like, Warren, we want to come see you in Baltimore. We want to come see you perform. And I give them the date. I give them the details. But then they call me and they say, hey, I don't have any money. I'm like, but wait. Weren't you just at that show last night with, with, with somebody else? Right, right. That, that cost or, almost or, $80? Yeah, they, or the Capital One Arena seeing Drake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For like 100 you know, something young, like that. Young thug. I got a girlfriend of mine. She's, um, you know, she makes every excuse in the world to come out to not see me. But however, she's going over to London to go wow. see the Spice Girls. I was like, wait a wow. minute. So you, sp- mm. you spend a good couple, 500, 600,000 on this flight, and you spend whatever else on the ticket. So. Violation right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, man. I'd, one thing that I try to do when I'm home, I honestly, I try to go out to a lot of schools. I try to go to a lot of, uh, um, you know, just visit. The, I try to talk to the principal. Once I get through them, I talk to the music department. I try to tell them, I'm like, listen, we got this, this, this style of music that, you know, most people in Baltimore, from what I see, when they starting to get into music, they, the first thing they want to do is try to start making beats. That's mm-hmm. what the main thing, what they call it. We don't want to make some beats. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just like, that world is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to happen for you either. It could <laughs> happen depending on how much work you put in mm-hmm. and some other stuff behind the scenes that, <laughs> you know, that doesn't need to be mentioned. Yep. But, you know, it's like if that's not working, why don't you come check this out? You know, we can show you how to incorporate that. You know, it's that. Right. And the, beat, you know, and the mm-hmm. beats come from somewhere. They do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, people don't realize that, you know. The sampling, mm-hmm. yes. All from those original jazz, those records, CTI records, Blue mm-hmm. Note, et cetera, et cetera. All yeah. from, you know, but Motown, you, like you said, you know. It's probably always been, because I have these, these um, you know, these sessions, like, in fact, I, I do these Desert Isle listening sets, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a friend of mine, you know, back in the day, let's say, when I first started covering sports, let's say, in, you know, like, um, let's say 73, something like that. Mm-hmm. Most of the brothers, you know, like Spencer Hayward and those guys, were into the music. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the, everybody, they played football, basketball, whatever, they were all into the music. Yeah, Lombardi, Lombardi Kareem, they, Kareem. Yeah, all they would show cats. up at the jazz mm-hmm. sets. The, yep. the, 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 the jazz guys love the ball. Mm-hmm. Ball guys love the music. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of loved the R&B. That was kind of like the default position. But mm-hmm. a lot of guys, but then I guess now you still hear guys like Shaq and all that. They're still into music. Right. They're not into the music necessarily. They're into music. Hip-hop. The mm-hmm. Hip-hop. But the, so I, I don't know. Well, maybe because it's more visible. Mm-hmm. The thing about it, if you look at most jazz videos that were shot, yeah. a lot of that stuff was in black and white. Yes. Yeah. And they were probably played on TV, but that's, you don't see that too much anymore. Two weeks ago, maybe a week ago, I would just—I don't watch a lot of TV nowadays, but I was browsing through the listings, and um, I don't know how people would like to describe it, what type of music it is or not, but they had a special for Michael Bublé, um, the, you know, the, the mm-hmm. pop jazz vocalist. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, a big we, band, yeah, the, you know, we both have, yeah, we both have friends. a lot of friends in that yeah, band. Mm-hmm. But it was so awesome for me, regardless of whatever people want to describe that style of music. It was awesome to see that they actually dedicated one full hour. I mean, granted, it was a ten o'clock p.m. slot, but still. It was at least it wasn't one o'clock in the morning, <laughs> right? But it was a ten o'clock p.m. slot where they dedicated one full hour to Michael Bublé and a big band of jazz, and and they did some pop stuff too. But you know, I, I found that was really cool. But maybe that's one of the issues right there. You know, some kids might see that and they'll say, "Oh man, that's old." You know, right? I'll give you one more quick story. A couple of weeks ago, I went to go visit a friend of mine at Edmondson High School in Baltimore. Uh, we. Went. Uh, I've known this girl since kindergarten, 
but she works in the cosmetology department. So I went up to her classroom, and she had a, it was like 12, 12 to 15 young teenage girls in there. And my friend, her name was Tamara, she says, hey, y'all, this is Warren Wolf. You guys need to know him. He's one of the best jazz musicians out there in the world. I'm telling y'all, he travels the world. He's famous, blah, blah, blah. How many of you guys like jazz? Out of those 15 girls, one. Mm-hmm. But that one girl, she said, and I asked her, I said, what makes you interested in jazz? She was like, well, I don't really know too much about it. I just know my grandparents listen to it all the time. Mm-hmm. So, But that's mm-hmm. at least, that's a start. I'm just like, okay, right. yeah. if they listen to it, at least you're exposed to it in some way. Mm-hmm. So it's up to people like myself and, you know, just younger guys yeah. while we can just reach out to the community since we're talking about, you know, black people, African-American. We have to get out to those types of, type of places and expose them to it because right now, if you listen, you, you know, we listen to what's being played on the radio, hip-hop and R&B, and there's nothing against it, because I do like hip-hop and R&B, yeah, right. but it's everywhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. you're at the market, you're at the, you know, on the elevator, you're riding down the street, you hear it in people's cars. It's not often you're going to hear people turn on XM and be like, okay, let's turn to the jazz radio station. Right, it's more like You a- might hear the watercolors. <laughs> 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 right. But, you know, you're not going to really hear people that, but it's up to people like myself and Nabate and many other ones, even even yourself, Bill, you know, if, if you plan on the radio, I mean, there's been a few instances where I've riding down the street and I actually just, even like if it's a spring day and I've heard somebody with the windows down. Blasting. Very few. Uh, and I, and I, actually hear, turn, like, I actually turn my, my radio down. I'm like, hey, bro, what you listening yeah. to? <laughs> and they'll, they'll tell me, and I was like, and I'll say quickly while we're driving, like, hey, my name is Warren Wolf. I'm playing sound. <laughs> so, yeah, that's but what, no, but you, you, yeah. it has to be that kind of aggressive yeah. Uh, kind of thing, you know, like I, I, I have the same reaction, like summertime or springtime, I have a convertible top down, and if I hear somebody playing the music, it'll stop, because it's mm-hmm. so rare, Yeah. and he said, man, you, you have to engage in some kind of conversation, say, mm-hmm. like, what, who, who are you, what, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, but you know, I think you're right, you ha- it has to be um, uh, aggressive. Let me ask you this, kind of switching gears mm-hmm. a, a little bit, because we are talking, we're in the middle of the NBA, this is going up tomorrow, right? Yep. Producing. Yep. Good, good. So, again, you're at the Jazz Standard in New York. Mm-hmm. You'll be there through? Sunday night. And today night. today is Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Thursday, Thursday afternoon. April 11th. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'll, so. I'll be there probably maybe tonight or tomorrow. Okay. You know. Awesome. Uh, or maybe both days. Oh, mm-hmm. you, going, you going tomorrow? I'll roll if you're going because I was thinking about tomorrow or Sunday, so. Yeah. If you roll, yeah, I roll. I'll, you, yeah. I'll, I'll be with Jamal. I'll be with Jamal Nabate. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'll pay. He's going to call him up like, I ain't got no money. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got no money. <laughs> I ain't got no well, money. Well, you're with me. You're good. You're good. Yeah. You're with me. You're yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, too, though, I mean, just kind of the, the clubs, I mean, I, I, was gonna, I, I want to talk about Magic Johnson and, mm-hmm. and that whole thing. Uh, and get your take on that. And we have one little, your, your key sport that you love. Okay. But I want to get into a long discussion yep. about that. <laughs> uh, but just finally, so I went to the Blue Note uh, a couple weeks ago to see um, uh, 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 Charles Tolliver. Mm-hmm. Something play. And again, this whole thing with the club, the club saying, hey, it's a night, number one. Fortunately, in your generation, it's not smoke filled. I mean, mm-hmm. back in the day, man, the club was like, you see why cats be dying at like yeah. thirty because <laughs> yeah. it was just right. smoke filled and just Dig. the worst kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And even even now, when you listen to like a lot of live albums, you know, like and you listen to like the background noise, the coughing, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just like damn, where where you go to like a quote unquote classical thing, that's not even tolerated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's usually, you know, it's very, it's not it's a whole different hum, humane kind of treatment. So I was wondering if 
little things like that too, just the way the music is presented. I mean, I I love to go to something like to an afternoon set where it's like two in the afternoon. But it's human. Mm-hmm. You go take your family, mm-hmm. and then you're out at seven. But it's like a good thing. So I wonder if also the atmosphere has something to do with, it, or do you think it should be at night? I mean, it should be. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, jazz can be pre- it can be presented anywhere for the most part. Uh, and it's more common at nighttime. It feels more natural. But then again, it depends. You might have these outside festivals, you know, during the right. summer. We can play during the daytime. But that's weird for me. During the day? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for me, prefer I just prefer the night. It just seems like more people want to come out. And you get that night spot, more people come out for that, and they support you more. But it's like a ba- like baseball players rather play at night. They get, they're just used to it. But let, yeah. but let me let mm-hmm. me let me just one last thing on on jazz yep. and the state of jazz and and who's into it. You know, it, I also think it's part of partly to do with like the microwave mentality. You know, everybody wants things fast. You want to learn things fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, jazz, like you said, you gotta you gotta practice that from age three. Yeah. You know, you gotta put all kind of work in it. And I'm not saying. Even in hip hop, you got to practice, but it's more like, you know, you could practice anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're doing it at home by yourself. Uh, it's, it seems like a faster road, like you said, maybe because we see it all the time. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it jazz, jazz and jazz is a complicated young. music. Mm-hmm. You know, my my father grew up huge jazz fan. He was he was trying to push it on me hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I I only recently started to appreciate it. But I was at the time when I was young, I was all into hip hop and that's that's mm-hmm. what I wanted to hear. But I I think part of it is it's just a you know, it's like a it's almost like an intellectual complicated thing that not everybody It can be, you know? but it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Every every artist that's that's what's so unique about this this music. You know, everybody is not sounding the same. Suppose everybody just came out and playing the same stuff. It would it wouldn't really be be anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So but then again in that same breath it takes a really good ear to understand what's going on. Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of people on, on social media, a lot of my friends, they get into this big argument like, oh, man, this isn't good. It should be played like this. And, you know, Duke Ellison kind of said the best. It's good music and it's bad music. Um, yeah, it just takes a really good intelligent ear to really understand what's going on. Right. Um, Which takes some time. So. It takes time. And there have been a lot of songs that's been really simplified. It's, it, everything is not complicated. Mm-hmm. If we... Look at certain certain songs like uh, say take five, that's right. a that's a simple one. Uh, even if we had to put something with a groove on it, say uh, George Benson on Broadway, that's a jazz song, but he just kind of yeah. made it a little bit funky. Mm-hmm. Herbie Hancock, all that stuff, Chameleon, and um, you know there are plenty of other examples out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a few commercials that actually had some good jazz. I can't remember just one, but there's one commercial that I've actually heard where they play Eric Dolphy's "Out to Lunch." Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. whoa! Yeah, I, I don't remember that commercial, but it it, yeah. it fit perfectly with the commercial. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it just you just have to have a great ear for it, right? So today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over one hundred eighty thousand book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, and MP three player. For you, the listeners of Bill Roden on Sports, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We highly recommend that you check out the classic $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete by the one and only William C. Roden, an absolute must-read. To download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com dot com backslash Bill Roden on sports for your free audiobook. Check it out. Wow. Now 
Now, someone that uh, we have big big story that happened this week of Irvin Magic Johnson <laughs> yeah. uh, ended up um, resigning from his position as president of basketball operations from the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, mm-hmm. um, did it obviously surprise? Did it surprise you? Number one, I don't know. I don't want to assume, but also as well, what do you think the reasoning was for that sudden? <laughs> well, it we talking sport. We talking sports, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, it definitely surprised me, man. Uh, somebody, he, here's a person who just took the job two years ago, and he's supposed to make make a winner out of this franchise who hasn't been to the playoffs in what six or seven years now, mm-hmm. and uh, which is kind of weird to not see that you know the Lakers not on TV like that. But he he did a good thing by bringing LeBron in, but then they failed at everything else. I really think right. that something happened around the trade deadline and. You know, we saw what the interview said. He said there was some backstabbing going on yeah, in the organization, yeah, yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. and he can't be himself. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> what that mean? and, mm-hmm. and then he brings up, oh, Serena Williams called me, and I want to be an yeah, ambassador yeah, yeah, yeah. to her. I'm just like, dude, your job, <laughs> what you said you want to do because you love this organization, and this is win, lose, or fail. You know, if right. you... Everybody fails from time to time, and it happens. It's like, but dude, stick with your job and make a win out of it. Try the best that you can. Don't just give yeah. up just because you're not having fun and you're not being and you want to get back to being happy. But magic doesn't fail that much. Right. I think a lot of those guys at that level, when they're not used to failing, they're not used to pushback, they're not used to being questioned, criticized. You know. Yeah, but I, I hear that. But let's look at Michael Jordan. He failed. Remember his first thing? Yeah. Was it? He failed with the Wizards. He's still uh, failing too. now. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's my whole point. I, I mean, and I, he didn't I, quit, I, right? But he, yeah. owned, but he owned he the team. Quit. No, he owns oh, the that's team. A different that's different. Thing. Yeah. But I can't remember how many times has Charlotte been to the playoffs since he's been the president. Well, well, yeah, too many. Twice, well, maybe like twice or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Not, not this year. And he didn't make the playoffs at all when he was those last two years with the Wizards. So my thing with Magic though is is to me I always looked in terms of in terms of after his playing career. I always looked at him as like a figurehead, you know. I did when I, they when they when they put honestly, him. In, I did kind of too. Yeah, like yeah. perfect, perfect front. Yeah, man. yeah, like mm-hmm. you know, you you mm-hmm. know. Kind I didn't when they when they when they <laughs> when they appointed him president. Yeah. When they appointed him president, I didn't expect him to like make all of the decisions. I, I he's the guy you bring out, take the pictures, he smiles, you shake the hands. Mm. It, same thing he's doing for the Dodgers. You can't. He's not. Well, he's not signing Kershaw. Yeah. And, and, you know. And then <laughs> right. he gets someone like a Rob Palenka, who is an like I guess trying to you know with Bob Myers' success. He was a former agent too, Bob Myers. But there's only one Bob Myers, you know. So right. Right. the situation where he brings Rob Palenka, he should have brought someone that's less sexy. And was that you him? know of that person? Was he? Was he the person? I'm yeah, not that sure. brought Rob. Yeah, he, he brought Rob Palenka. Bring... Yeah, because because uh, that's not the way he made it sound guy. in yeah, the press conference. Uh, well, no, he didn't. No, he didn't say anything. He didn't say. Yeah. Silently under the bus, but no, no, he he brought, but he brought he brought him in. That, uh-huh. but Kobe had an influence on him and Kobe like this, you right. know. Mm-hmm. But um, but I gotta tell y'all something. This is funny. This is a coincidence because a friend of mine hit me to this a couple days ago. The whole New Orleans Pelicans, Los Angeles Lakers fiasco for Anthony Davis, right? Mm-hmm. Take it back, Magic Johnson, number one pick in the '79 draft, right? Mm-hmm. Gail Goodridge. 76 signed with the Jazz, right? New Orleans Jazz at the time, right? Check this out. One of the picks that the Jazz had to compensate the Lakers for 
was that 79 number one pick overall. Mm -hmm. And who was picked? Magic Johnson. It's Mm -hmm. crazy how it comes full circle 40 years later. Mm -hmm. And then Magic was thinking that New Orleans, you know New Orleans was kind of thinking in the back of of their minds, you know, kind of that history goes back full circle. Mm -hmm. It's really deep, you know. But then I think the way that was handled, yeah. It was not a good look for how, the organization. You know? how, how much sports do you do you get a chance to watch on the road? I mean, a lot, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> what's, what's your sport? Um, or sports in, in order and just in general? Mm. In general. Um, in order. I, no, not, in order, that's not fair. <laughs> but <laughs> you are uh, basketball, football, boxing. Okay. Mm. MMA. Okay. Uh, pro wrestling. <laughs> you now, talk about that. Now, pro wrestling, we, we'd ask you, because we were talking about, did you watch the uh, NCAA tournament? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the one of the great games in the last you know, two years, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Over time. <You laughs> on said, paper, not on, I mean, on court, not on paper. But you said you weren't because <laughs> you were watching something else. Tell us what you were watching. I was watching WWE Monday Night Raw. And that was post-WrestleMania. That was post-WrestleMania, because <laughs> WrestleMania <laughs> was Sunday night. So normally after WrestleMania, it's mm-hmm. like they, it's when they totally just get ready for WrestleMania next year. So they pretty much like start the brand new season or something like that on Monday night. So that's everything right. flips. Yeah. So. And that's the highest rated one. Usually yeah, the one the after WrestleMania. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. And that, that was at Barclays, right? Yeah. Monday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the other day, I don't know when it was, I was like in my hotel when I just flipped through and I was like flipped on this one. I, I don't know what it was. Just yeah. wrestling. It's a black guy, white guy. And the black guy was just getting like, Tossed around the ring. I mean, he was, like, getting tossed out the ring and all that stuff. But so ever since I was a kid, you know, we talk about this. And I heard Charles Barkley talk about this, too, because he swears it's real. <laughs> he swears it's real. And I'm, like, looking at this. And I've, to this day, in the 47 years I've been watching it, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, man. Is this, like, really real? So, yeah. Warren, is it, I mean, is it real? <laughs> there are some aspects of pro wrestling that are real. That is real. Like what? Like what? Like when they d- jump off like the top of well, the thing and land on. The- I'll, I'll I'll put it like this. Yes, all right. Let's start with the fakeness. The matches are definitely predetermined. Everybody backstage, are, uh, they're all friends. They're all boys. <laughs> they hang with you know. But just imagine if somebody is really picking up somebody up and you're getting slammed on a mat three hundred times a year. Eventually, you're gonna feel something. Yeah, exactly. That's real. The chair shots are real. Now they 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 stopped doing it. Like I would say, like in the early two thousands, they had this part of WWE called the Attitude Era, which is when Mm -hmm. uh, Dwayne Johnson was in it. That's right. And at this point in time, they were actually taking real chair shots in the head. But they stopped doing that because a lot of guys started dying. They started, you know, the whole CTE thing, especially. Mm -hmm. And then when that guy, uh, Chris Benoit, when he um, murdered his his wife and kid, that's when they really started doing all the wellness policies and things like that. so the chair shots are real, but they're just doing that in the back now. I mean, again, you're getting hit by a chair. It don't matter what kind of chair is going to hurt. And uh, the last thing that, believe it or not, that people think is fake, but it is real because I watched it, is the blood. <laughs> but they don't really do that anymore either. Wait, wait, yeah, but they would. Yeah, they would take, take the yeah, take like the, the blood. Like if you get hit in the head with a chair, a lot of the guys, what you would see back then, is like when you get hit in the chair, they they fall on the ground and they kind of cover them head. They cover their heads with their arm. But what they're doing, they have a little tiny piece of glass that's in their tape. Or that's taped to their fingers. So while they're on the ground, they cover their head, but the, what they're really doing is just cutting themselves. So apparently there's a part of somewhere in everybody's forehead, it, it'll heal quickly. 
but you can cut it and you'll just bleed forever. Jeez. They should have went to <laughs> the fake route with that. You did. So, yeah, I mean, if you, there's a guy named he's a le- legendary wrestler. He's I don't think he's wrestling. He should be retired. His name's Abdullah the Butcher. Yes, <laughs> yes indeed. If you look at a current picture of this guy, you can see just lines all down his forehead, and you can see over the many years how much he has what they call it blade. He has bladed himself mm. in order to make this look real. So God, it's God. not, but yes, it is fake, but some of it is real, but I'm still entertained by it all. So what do you, what do you like? Actually, you look like you could, that's why I asked you, did you wrestle? You look like you could have been a wrestler. Yeah, I didn't wrestle at all, but uh, what do I like about it? It's just like a never, a, a long, a never ending, never ending male soap opera. Mm. <laughs> do, you, do you like the women wrestling? Not really, but it's been. But now it's, it's good, right? It's, it's kind of cool, but yeah. I mean, it's 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 interesting to see Ronda Rousey in there. Mm-hmm. And I think she just took some time off because her husband is a is an MMA fighter, Travis Brown or something like that. Okay. Uh, it's interesting to see her in it, but um, which has kind of raised the rankings or raised the, the ratings. Right, 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 right. Um, I'm not really a fan of women wrestling. There's nothing against them, but you know, it's just that the the men make it look a little bit more um, real realistic, I should say. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. What about, Always on. about MMA, um, and you said you're a boxing fan. So, yeah. I, so are you like equal boxing, equal MMA? It's a little bit. I mean, it's not like I check it out all the time. I'm more of a boxing fan. Like back when, like when when Tyson was at the at yeah. his highest point, right. and like the '70s, like Ali and uh, Frazier and all those guys. Division was yeah, the heavyweight forming. when the heavyweight division mm-hmm. was Ernie really Shavers. happening. Yes. Yeah. 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 Nowadays, I watch heavyweight fight. It's just like just guys just. Right. Slugging it out, but it's know. exciting now though. I, I, I the heavyweight division, Tyson, Tyson like, Fury. And yeah, he's Anthony, good. Yeah, yeah, Anthony Joshua yeah. and Deontay Wilder. Now yeah, it's like our guy, yeah, yeah. our guy. Deontay but Deontay I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, in comparison to like them, when you can mm-hmm. just name like. But the lower division, right. actually, I feel like it's making a comeback. Like the, mm-hmm. the you know, the lower uh, middleweight. Yeah. Oh, that's been yeah for yeah, there's some decades. serious guys yeah. out there yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. with with MMA, I'm a big fan of uh, Anderson Silva mm-hmm. and uh, and John Bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are like my my just, two favorite guys. Yeah. So. What do you think of a Tony Ferguson? That's my favorite cat. All Tony. those guys are killer. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah so. I just wanted to say, you know, Jamal was making a point about the music and how complicated it is. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that ain't nothing complicated <laughs> about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Junior, Junior Walker. So, so uh, what I'm saying is, that they, I mean, I, I, I digress. <laughs> but, 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 but when he was saying that, I was thinking, even mm-hmm. when, even when he was playing the saxophone, trained existed. Yeah, way mm-hmm. shorter. So all the time you had these levels of right. consciousness. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was like, you know, 17 or whatever, I'm thinking, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and then he he play his licks. Yeah, but then it's almost like. When you have your first lover, you meet a woman who takes you to a whole nother level mm-hmm. of what you thought was happening right. to right. like the possibility. So I, I remember one day at, at Morgan, maybe my first year at Morgan or something, you know, going out, you you do parties, do this thing, the kids in that era to get ready to go to parties and mm-hmm. stuff. And I just bought a whole stack. My rich, I, I got paid for my no-show job. I played football at Morgan. Mm-hmm. So I got my, went to my no-show job. You know, <laughs> got my, Violation. Yeah, well, <laughs> what do you call the limp statue of limitations? <laughs> I could tell it's definitely, yeah. Walked up Cold Spring Lane mm-hmm. to record and tape collector. Yep. You know, uh, bought my, like, sp- spent all my money mm-hmm. on all the albums I knew I was supposed to get. So I came back with a bunch of Eric Dolphy. 
Yes. But this is like sometimes I, I was like eight, nineteen, and you're buying stuff in advance of you're really getting it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. So this particular night, I came back with my stack, and we're going to a party. We got got ready, you know, and so <laughs> I put on this one Eric Dolphy piece, and everybody else left, and I played it, and I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it. Which one? Which was which was? It, it was it was I think it was, it was like maybe uh, it was Eric Dolphy. It was maybe out there. Out front, out front. Uh, 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 no, no, out, out there, there, out there. there. Yeah, we'll book her, book a little. Yeah, well, it, it, well, it was, but it was a piece he played was warm canto. Okay, he so. played clarinet. Oh, bass clarinet. And, 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 and it was, mm-hmm. but there was something, and I just got it. I got improvisation. I got the whole thing. I just remember falling back on my bed and just cracking up. Mm-hmm. I just started laughing. And said, oh shit! And as a writer, and then I went back to everything I bought. Mm-hmm. I and start playing it, and I was like, oh. I was just like, it was blown away, but it, again, it was sort of like, all of a sudden, the Junior Walker stuff and all that, not, not, there was, a, there was a, a, a role for it and a place for it, mm-hmm. but now this was at a whole another level of consciousness yeah. about improvisation and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, so mm-hmm. when you were saying that, you know, and I want to ask you, even in terms of your instrument, who was your first, who was your first major, infl- I mean, your dad, obviously, but in terms of, I don't know, Lionel Hampton or whatever, who mm-hmm. was your first really major influence on the instrument? Milt Jackson. Milt, Milt Jackson was my major influence uh, from Detroit, Michigan. But as a young child, it was not even a butt to it. When I was a young child, when I first heard him, I mean, he was playing a lot of the blues. And I really didn't understand it. So my story that's similar to what you were talking about, um, one of the things that I used to do after practice sessions with my dad, we were always... Uh, play games of pool. We had a pool table in the house. And I would always put on some music. And there was this track by the group uh, Spiral Gyro called Morning Dance. Um, and my te- my former teacher, Dave Samuels, mm-hmm. played vibes on that track. And when I used to listen to this track, I used to be like, wow, I kind of un- understand improv now. Mm. Because it was more simplified and it was more like a, you know, Morning Dance is more like a pop song. Yeah. So when I listened to that, I started going back. And I was like, okay, now I understand what Milt Jackson's playing. Mm-hmm. And then I started checking out horn players. You know, Charlie Parker was another mm-hmm. one of my favorites, to Miles Davis, to, uh, you know, the list keeps going. You just started picking out each person that really, that your ear really, you know, clicks with. What do you love about uh, about Bill Jackson? His sense of, of lyricism, the way he played a ballad. He wasn't really flashy, like, far as playing, like, super fast and things like that. You know, he just made music. Mm. And he, I mean, the main thing he could play a blues forever, you know, <laughs> him playing with a uh, Ray Brown and all those types of guys. He, they just really milked it. So I got a true understanding of what the blues should really be. Where, where'd you get this energetic style? Because you play, we were talking in connection with your weightlifting and working mm-hmm. out. You play so energetically. Who was a precursor? I mean, who did you get that from in terms of how to uh, at, at basically attack? Charlie Parker. Mm-hmm. Ah. Um. So basically, uh, I never really wanted to sound like another vibraphone player. And I wanted to take things from horn players or piano players and apply it to my instrument. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something that, okay, I mean, no disrespect to any of those guys, but I wanted to do something like, okay, Milt Jackson probably isn't thinking this, or Bobby Hutchinson probably isn't thinking this. Let me take these horn lines and apply it to Mm -hmm. this. So... And also taking classical pieces. Mm-hmm. Again, I was brought up as a classical musician. So I would take small pieces from uh, 
from Bach and Beethoven, uh, Antonio Vivaldi, mm -hmm. you know, all these piccolo concertos, because when you're playing a flute, they're just doing this with their fingers. Violin players, they're just, you know, bowing the strings. Me, I have to, again, I'm working my arms. So I'm just like, if I can keep up, you know, with these transcriptions, with these violin players and flute players and cello players and things like that, and mm -hmm. put it on my instruments, that's going to build my speed and accuracy. So, so, so. so who, who was the most, I, I'm sorry, what's the, you know, they have this, the, the classical quartet, Ron Carter, Ron Carter, thank you, <laughs> uh, Ron Carter, um, uh, the pianist, uh, Kenny Barron, mm -hmm. uh, forget, and the, the, the vibraphone is on that, is... Um, uh, the classical quartet. How recent class, was this? It's called the classic jazz quartet. That ain't like the 30s. But oh. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, and I'm kidding, but you, and as soon as I mention who the vibraphone is, you'll know who it is. Mm -hmm. He's probably older than you. Uh, he did a thing called, uh, uh, um, he did a beautiful thing of uh, Alex. I, I don't know. Who, name the three, in addition to yourself, the three. Oh. Stephon Harris. Stephon Harris. Stephon okay. Harris. Oh, yeah, I remember that record. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and Louis yeah, Nash. Yeah, on drums. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Stephon, yeah, yeah. What's your relationship with Stephon Harris? And Stephon is my man. Yeah. Um, he's now the the uh, director director of jazz at uh, Manhattan School of Music. Okay. Um, I don't really talk to him too much now that he has assumed that job because he's super busy doing that. But uh, we've worked together quite a few. The last time I did something with him, we played at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, two summers ago, and we had special guest Roy Ayers. With mm. us. So mm. um, Roy Ayers, where does he fit into your thing? That, now Roy is another guy. I was playing Junior Walker. He's not quite yeah, yeah. Junior Walker, yeah. mm -hmm. but still had the language. He should, but he, I funk. think people mm -hmm. make these decisions mm -hmm. of how far out you gonna go. Yeah, and Roy was you know humming in the sun, and he was right in a particular lane. Yeah, well Roy, you know he used to do a lot of straight ahead jazz playing. But somewhere around the, I guess, late 60s or 70s, he was like, you know what? I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to do something that the people can really love. Like, right. like, not just our people, not like black people, but just everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's when he came out with Everybody Loves the Sunshine and all those classic hits. <laughs> and um, speaking of sampling, like, all of right. his joints are sampled, what, you what, know. What, like that what are you thinking of? I mean, because it's, it's, and that's what I remember talking to guys, man. Like, I remember an interview I had with Jer Gary Barnes back in the day. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, we talk talking about, Selling out, I say Jackie Mack had just come out with some album called Pyramid, mm -hmm. which was a total departure from, like you know the stuff. And we we're like, man, what, what's up, man? Yeah. And, and Barnes just said something like, man, I ain't interested in playing for the archives, and, mm -hmm. you know. And I guess in, in, in everybody's career, you got to make a decision, mm -hmm. you know, whether you're gonna play for, you're just gonna keep on following out, or you know, what, what what's that process like? I mean, I don't want to call it selling out. But it's commercial music, or versus, you know. Um, I don't, I, I don't really have a clear answer to that one. I mean, you just gotta do what you want, do mm, do right. do what's best. I was talking to Patrice Verson about that. You know, she used to be a straight ahead jazz uh, pianist, and uh, she was just like, "Warren, you just gotta follow your heart." And she was like, "When I f first switched over to pop jazz or whatever you want to call it, she said I received a lot of backlash, <laughs> but you know, I went ahead and followed my heart, and you know, you're doing great things now." Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got That's that right. matching Bobby Humphrey. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, I was gonna say something about that. Everybody loves the sunshine. A lot of p young people, like uh, they probably have. Been, they've been introduced to, to that song again over the last couple of years because uh, if you're watching, like, kind of not the beginning, but that movie Straight Out of Compton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right after the whole cop raid scene with Easy E. When Dre's, when Dre's laying, on laying down on the floor mm -hmm. with his headphones on, and they come in with Warrior's yes. music. 
So because of people's love for Straight Outta Compton, or the movie, mainly, mm-hmm. and then once they see that, they're going to be like, man, what's that? Mm. People will buy the soundtrack. Who is this guy, Rory Ayers? Mm-hmm. And it kind of helps a little bit, because they're going to be like, who's Rory Ayers? So they go back and they find that song. And for the people who are really into Rory Ayers, they're going to be like, well, let me see who he really is. Like, where did he come from? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's when they're going to go back and check out, like, who is this guy, Buster Williams, that Rory, Rory Ayers played with? Right. They're going to check yeah. out Buster. And then they'll be like, oh, Buster played with Herbie Hancock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who did Herbie Hancock come from? Oh, he played with Donald Byrd. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it kind of works like that. Yes. <laughs> and then Future Shock, you know, Future Shock, the um, Rocket, that yeah. was on Future Shock, mm-hmm. you know, and that, yeah, yeah they'll yeah. be like, oh, Herbie Hancock did that. Yeah. Oh, so okay. All this stuff yeah. relates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, where would you like to be, like, in the next 20 years? I mean, I mean, and not not in the next twenty years, but in, in, in twenty years from now, sort of, what would you like to be? Do I stop? You know, playing the music, obviously. But. Um. Well, definitely playing the music on a part-time basis. Really? Yeah, because I only say that because in twenty years I'll be sixty, and that's still a relatively young age. But I just don't know how much longer I can handle these airlines. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so much. Mm. But uh, you know, just doing that and teaching. Uh, again, I'm at Peabody Conservatory in Baltimore. I also teach part-time at San Francisco Conservatory of Music. And, uh, you know, just kind of kicking back and just enjoying life with my wife and kids. Mm-hmm. Well, 10 years, yeah, 20 years, they'll be out the house. So I'll just, <laughs> I'll just <laughs> your wife spending time with your wife. <laughs> before, before we get out of here, yeah. uh, we got uh, big, you know, it's NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. The regular season just ended. Mm-hmm. You got any uh, predictions? Wait, wait first, first, yeah. uh, if you've been, you've, been, you've been watching the NBA this of year, course. Right? Yeah. Who Who's your MVP? Uh, people saying I'm people going, saying Harden or or, big, go, or Greek Freak. I'm going with Greek Freak. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going with Greek Freak. Why? He's just an overall more dominant player. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Harden just comes down the floor and just isolate. All right, shoot, bam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, he'll have like 60 points and like two assists. Right. Um, who who am I going for? In the West. See, you, for me, you got to watch these teams that uh, that go all out and win all these games and stuff like that because I believe they tire themselves out, mm. especially when they get when they, if if and when they get to the finals. And that's mm. what happened to G State in 2016, yeah. going yep. for that win mark, 73. I, I, I mm-hmm. also believe that happened happened for Harden last year too. Right mm-hmm. when he got because he he had a tremendous year. He got what to the uh, West Finals and just. What was that last game? Except, just, except, oh, except, except Chris Paul got hurt. Yeah. Well, he got hurt, but and he still shot like zero he, for 14 from three. Yeah, it was still right? ugly. Yeah, and they yeah. missed 27 as a team straight threes. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. You know, they, were, they were worn that's out. Hard, that's, yeah. Unfortunately, that's so far, that's Harden's signature. Right. Mr. True. What they call, what did Steinbrenner call uh, Dave Winfield? Mr. Mr. September. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> April. <laughs> I'm on, I'm on, this, this is my prediction. I'm, I'm going... <laughs> You like to go for the underdog. I, I'm not gonna pick anybody like the Magic or anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for Milwaukee versus. Okay. Who? Who? Milwaukee and Golden State. Okay. Oh, sweet. And then who, and then who you got? Sweep. Who got Milwaukee? Winning it all? Milwaukee. What? Yeah. Taking it all. Okay. Yeah. All we'll right. Have you back on the show? Where are you gonna be in June? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I see that coming. I just don't see Golden State doing it. All right. Yeah. All I've right. heard that. What about cool. you, Nabate? I have uh, Toronto. Uh-huh. And Golden State, uh-huh. and uh, Golden State is seven. Toronto. Right. Yeah. And who's your MVP? Oh, MVP Giannis, no mm-hmm. doubt. Like just like Warren said, both ends of the floor, and Giannis could be the third player ever to win Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but but with Rudy Gobert with that campaign of uh, John Coltrane, well, was, was, right I, know, he yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, I think he's gonna win that. Rudy Gobert after that. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard. I can't lie. 
about you, Bill? Magic is the MVP. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> Magic the MVP? What he's done for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> watching, that, watching the trades. <laughs> he gives everybody's vote. But, uh, you know, I use the, in terms of the, I, I have the Tom Brady rule. The Tom Brady rule term, MVP. Like, when Tom Brady led New England back in, in the Super Bowl, two, two, they were down 23. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I will never, as long as I'm doing vote against this cat and this <laughs> yeah, team. That's true. As so, long I mean, as he's still playing. So <laughs> that's the thing with Golden State. I get what you're mm-hmm. saying, but mm-hmm. until I'm proven different, yep. you know, because what these guys are doing, like you just said, winning too much, I think they get bored, man. Right. Yeah, during the regular away. season. They just blow, you know, yeah, everybody's yeah. trying to, they're just blowing people, you know, and then they get to this point now oh, where you can actually, locked in. You, you can see the the the, uh, the mountaintop. Yeah. Man, I think, man, they talk about, I don't know, so, now, in the East, it's going to be much more interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I still don't think – I kind of like Boston. Last year, it just seems like – and, man, I was like watching Kyrie, man. That cat, if he's healthy, he's got to be the best finisher mm-hmm. almost ever. Because some mm-hmm. of the shit that That's he puts guard, together, yeah. you talk yeah. about improvisation – some of the combinations he's got yeah, yeah. to finish. Like a jazz musician. Like, yeah. How, yeah. How, how, how do we even like Bird? You know, you listen to some of Bird Rice. How do you even think of that? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but having said that, <laughs> I kind of like um, Toronto if, if Kawhi is really engaged oh, he, and he's feeling it. and He should be well-rested. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. going to be Toronto and Mil- Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference. That's yeah. going to be Ooh. classic. And yeah. really, the Eastern, Eastern Conference has those four teams. right? right. And yeah. don't, sleep on, don't sleep on Detroit because you, you tell him, if you tell me Dwayne Casey, if some kind of way he could ever get in the same room as Toronto, you know, <laughs> you can't tell me that he would just say, I would give anything if he makes that foster impact with yeah. the devil. Mm-hmm. Just let me beat yeah. these cats. Well, I, I was actually looking yeah. at I was looking at Detroit's roster um, recently, and I have more respect for Dwayne Casey because they they have no guards right. like yeah. on their team. I don't even know how yeah. he has them in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's already accomplished yeah. a lot just bringing that team to the playoffs. I, you know, I don't know. And I don't the stress, know if you can tell now. he's stressed. Like, too. Like, <laughs> well, they crushed the Knicks to get in you know, last right, night. Right, well, that's, 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 that's not hard to do right there. But just sort of like, I mean, you brought up the point of the scoring. So, you know, I, I'm with you, Warren, with the whole scoring thing, you know, 60 points, and you're watching everybody just kind of. That would be like if you came out and your solos were like, you know, 50 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody else just kind of, you know, doing that. But then I'm thinking, um, so it's almost like a parody. Like Devin Booker comes out, and we said, you know, okay, any, not anybody can score, but if that's the thing, okay, I can go for 51. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you put your mind to it, like if Kawhi said, okay, or right. or, or, or a hard, not hard, but uh, the guy in uh, go, uh, Steph, Steph, or or KD, KD, they mm-hmm. said, okay. Yeah, okay, okay, I'll go for 60 if, if that's all it's about. And, and we don't have to win. Right. If, if I can score and, and we don't have to win, I'll score 90. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. That stuff helps their contract negotiations, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Harden, is, he's been historic this year scoring the ball. And also, yeah, he is doing other stuff, too. Um, but I, I got to go with Giannis. Like you said, I'm, I'm kind of a traditionalist, too. I mean, he has the best record in the league. He's right. by far the best no player. No one expected Milwaukee to win 60 and be one exactly. in the Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. He, is a, he is a freak of um, nature. Yeah. You know, people talk about, oh, he can't shoot the three, but you can't stop him. Yeah. You no, know? How come nobody's mentioned Philadelphia? 
Good they, question. They, 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 got, they, they might have they the, the most. Ones who come out. They might have the most yeah, talent possibly, in the East. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just um, about Brett Brown, his X's and O's during because he's been out coached. You know, in the like, past. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's. But yet if he gets fired, he is. This is they, no, show. the pressure. He he's because, under the most pressure. But he Brett gets Brown, another job. No he doubt. gets fired. This gets oh, he'll get another show. gig for sure. Immediately, you got oh, yeah, you got yeah. brother. That's another thing. We but DK's got a job, meeting, which was good. That's what I. He was, that a, was beautiful. He was a coach of the year. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why did he get fired? You know, but no, no, but he would have got the gig if he didn't get coach of the year. I think I you know because so. well, that's the thing. No, but but that's what Mark Jackson in the NBA. It was Mark Jackson in. Well, that's well, a whole nother he, he show. He put the Warriors together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Warriors. No, no, he did. Yeah. But it's a whole nother show, the whole outside <laughs> stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, we and I love Mark. Sh- Don't get me wrong. I love what? him. But, what? you what? know. He's too religious? <laughs> well, not just he rubbed people the wrong way. But at the same time, there are many other, there are many other folks white who, like, that rub people the wrong way. True. How come black folks can't rub people the wrong way and then we don't get a job? Well, that's the story of our lives You know, right there. I think, well, it looks like Dave Yeager is going to be fired. It looks like. Yeah, yeah, he's done. So, um. So it looks like if Sacramento. they don't talk to Mark Jackson Vlade, with Vlade, that Vlade team. Vladi have, have a uh, relationship with Mark Jackson? Mm-hmm. You know, but respect. But respect. And, you know, definitely Mark Jackson would be perfect with that young roster. He'll get them to commit to play defense right. and still play And then they'll fire pace. him and somebody else come in and win a championship. So as we end the show on the We Shall Overcome mode, <laughs> <laughs> how, many, how, many, how many black with Magic Johnson – "Quote unquote," resigning. If you really think he wasn't pushed, mm-hmm. if he resigned, mm. how many black team presidents? About do you think there are? In the the NBA? Knicks got him. Knicks got a Knicks. GM Knicks. president. No, I'm asking you how many. Yeah, one, I would say. I would many? say if I had to guess, just, just off the top, off of the your top head. two. Yeah, I mean, Dell Dance was just fired. He was he was He's GM. About president. Yeah, team. Oh, team, team president, president of basketball operation. Team president of basketball operation. Two or three in the black. Yeah, in the black in the even. black NBA. How many would you guess? How many would you guess? Two, maybe. Okay, well, that's it. I know there's one. Yeah. Well, there's two. <laughs> Who's the, the second? Two uh, is... Um, Steve uh, Mills. Still Steve, uh, well, well, I count when I say black. If you say African-American... Oh, Maasai. It's only Maasai one. If you say, I say black for the mm-hmm. diaspora, mm-hmm. it's Maasai. Oh, yeah, Maasai, no yeah. But yeah. I, think, I think the perception of a lot of people, because the NBA touts itself as being this bastion of liberal mm-hmm. opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you say, wait a minute, man. A league that's been where black people have been dominated for the past 30 years mm-hmm. and there are two, mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. black team right. presidents and I don't know how many coaches, but even if there's like eight, you think that... It's ridiculous. You yeah. think there would be at least... That's like in the NCAA, the basketball tournament. Right. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the power of five conferences, there's like... You ca- yeah, mm-hmm. you count in one, one, one hand, you know, yes, one yeah. hand. And, and Massage, speaking of Massage Jury, he needs, to, he needs to be considered for that Lakers gig. No question about it. Him and Braun would be so. Like so this, now we'll find you know? out how much power does LeBron actually have. So everybody mm-hmm. talking about, oh, LeBron got point. power. But, That's okay, a good point. Do you have hey? How much now? We'll see how much power do you mm-hmm. have. Do you have enough power to determine who's going to be if you're going to have a black GM mm-hmm. and a black coach? Well, maybe was, maybe I, he puts Rich Paul in there. So well, they, I, <laughs> I, I heard a rumor that say they said once Walton gets fired, they said they were thinking about bringing Ty Lue back. Oh boy. <sighs> Well, I wouldn't. I mean, that would be uh, But do you yeah. think? First of all, you got to fire Walton. Or what yeah. about? Get fired? Or what he about? Was supposed Mark? to if, if Magic didn't re- uh, quit. Well, or what about what Mark saying. Jackson for that gig too? That they've been talking about him and Brian yeah. Shaw. They, they Brian, Pete people. Shaw, you know. We'll see. Again, Byron Scott was even mentioned again. Well, I'm just saying. We're not talking about how much power do you have. How much power do you have? Well, do you have the power to influence 
who's go if are you gonna have a black coach? Like you know, I mean, and to me, when you talk about a league is eighty percent black players, that the percentage mean nothing if you do not exercise power. Right. All it is is a number. If you right. guys can't get together, just workers. And yeah, you just all you are is like that's like you can go to the airport and the majority of the maintenance workers may be black. But do you exercise any power? Anyway, we can. And discuss now the that. money, the, the, these brothers have the power with the money, with the, well, to be able to combine. Yeah. Should have it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they should mm-hmm. have it. Mm-hmm. You, do you exercise power? The only time we have, I was even thinking back, you know, again writing about the music back in the day, where you have all these great innovators. Same thing, Max Roach, all Mingus, and all. They all complain that yeah, man, but we don't own the means of distribution. You know, we don't own the clubs. Yeah. We don't the festivals, own the festivals. Booking the festivals. Where, what is the source of our power? You know, are we basically doing a plan? I mean, what do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, seriously. No, I'm, I'm I mean, asking. Just, you know, my wife says the best. She was like, you're just the entertainer in the, in the, in the white man's world. <laughs> my wife says that all the time. Uh-huh. So. What do you think about that? I mean, because really, even in the, in the music, now, I don't know if it's what it was back, let's say, 67, where we have all these brothers playing the music, mm-hmm. my sisters. Is it the same, would you say it's the same um, concentration, uh, demographic breakdown, of, uh, of, or has the conservatory route made it more white? The conservatory route has definitely come into play. Uh, for, for music that was just basically learned by hanging out and being, being around different musicians, that is, it seems like it's, that is really no longer there. That's the, the proper route is to pretty much go to school and be educated about the music, so... Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, forty years ago, right? Your track would be come to New York, hang out with, hang out to, with whoever who, of the top cats on the scene. Right, right. And you know, and I see. I always think, man. I, I know these are other shows, but to me, it's kind of like with the NFL too, where they're trying to quote unquote make it safer. To me, that's meant to make it whiter. Mm-hmm. Take courage and intimidation out as the pillars of the game. So that they say anybody can play, mm-hmm. right? So that you know, thirty years. I mean, it was. I mean, you just. It got to the point where you could not. It. I mean, it, it took a certain kind of person. So to me, the music. You know, man. You know, these white kids. You know, to be able to come to New York, just kind of hang out mm-hmm. and be out there in the wild. <laughs> you know, and all that. They say, you know, this is let's let's kind of put this in the conservatory. Let's kind of, and then you do two things. You put in a conservatory. Number one, you, you start putting price tags on things. Once you slap price tags on things, that's the beginning of the end for a lot of black folks. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just take it out to public school so you won't be getting free instruments. Let's remove right. that. Right. You know, let's start putting money on. Now you got to go through the conservatory route, you know. Mm-hmm. So we didn't mean to bring you up here to talk about and, that. And but, but, totally but, cool. but, but it's something that used to be talked about, though. Yeah, but it's, it's, fine, it's, yeah. it's, it's when you talk about our survival as a people, and our major our arteries have been the music, NBA, NFL, and you know my thing is these brothers. You know jockeys. Jockeys used to dominate horse racing mm-hmm. for like two and a half centuries. We used to be like the NBA, mm-hmm. but then people got said, you know this, you know this. Is, we do not like this. Mm-hmm. So let's use our power to change the rules, mm-hmm. change who gets licensed, change procedure, and like that, man. By 1905, would have been this two and a half century of dominance. They were like two black jockeys. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking to these guys now, I said, do y'all think we do 80%? Do you think that people really like this? They do it because you guys are making money. But do you think that people really like this? You know, like the dealing and the 80% dominance and, and mm-hmm. the end of, you know, so 
I, you know, again, I, I just think you just have to, I don't know, I don't know the end of that sentence. No, that's, that's well, never lasting. On that yeah. note. Yeah, but, yeah. But, real, but real quick, I want to get um, Warren, um, mention your projects coming up for, you know, for the audience to look out for you, website, all that good stuff. Website, that's number one, uh, www.warrenwolfmusic.com. You can always find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, just uh, Warren Wolf one all just one word. Um, projects, let's see, just currently SF Jazz Collective, we're at the Jazz Standard. Uh, tonight is will be the last night we're playing the music of Miles Davis, but mm. then, uh, what's today, Thursday? Yeah. Thursday. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we tackle the music of... Uh, the Brazilian composer Antonio Carlos Jobim. Wow. So that's nightly shows at 7.30 and 9.30 p.m. Um, after that, I'll be pretty much getting ready for my for my new recording, uh, which will be recorded in June. We're going to do it in Baltimore. Mm. And uh, it'll be kind of like in the in the vein of, uh, in the spirit of like Rory Ayers for the uh, most part. That's uh, right. You remember, remember I talked to you about that. Indeed, um, yeah. And besides that, you know, just a bunch of um, guest appearances. I can't really... But, can't really, you know, re- remember everything at the moment, but you know, that's what the website is for. You and how many albums there. you got as a leader? As a leader, I let's see, I had three on the Mac Avenue label, uh, two Japanese imports, and mm. two self-produced. Nice, nice. So yeah. this will be uh, record number eight coming out. All right, good right. stuff. All good right, stuff. man. But this has been great, man. This is really. I know we've been all around the world. That's no, all good. And I don't think yeah. we, we didn't touch on one thing, but I got to give some shout out to my to my Baltimore Ravens. Those are my boys. So. Uh, yeah. 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 Lamar. What Lamar. Do you, what do you think? What do you think of Lamar Jackson? I think Lamar is great. I think the Baltimore. I'm I'm a Ravens fan forever. But I think the Baltimore. Some of the Baltimore Ravens fan base are trash mm. because <laughs> of how they booed him because he lost to the Chargers mm. in the playoffs, even though he almost came back and won. But uh, I'm like, the dude's only 21. Give him a while. And, and you got to let him throw the ball, man. Yes. You know, like, yeah. You know, but he's a natural runner. But yeah, but I'm just saying, the coach, you can't just, you know, let him throw. Yeah. That's how you get better, too. Yeah. But, they, you know, it's the same thing. You know, when, when Flacco came into the league, because, you know, he was not supposed to start. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. It was supposed to be uh, uh, Kyle Bowler. Right. And and uh, I forget the second backup dude, but Kyle Bowler got hurt and the other guy got sick. Yeah. And so they brought in uh, Joe Flacco. His rookie year, he took them to the uh, AFC Championship game. They lost to the Steelers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the same situation with Lamar. You know, just give him a chance. Hopefully he turns out a little do. better than uh, Flacco. Long, well, long term. Well, yeah. Flacco was solid. Yeah, he Don't get me wrong. Flacco won a Super Flacco's one of the great postseason. Those last five years or so. He's one of the great postseason QBs. He played in the Super Bowl. Here's the thing about Flacco. I can't remember which one of y'all mentioned it, but he's one of the few quarterbacks to beat Tom Brady. Okay. That's right. All right. <laughs> That's right. And, Eli. And, and should have did it. Eli. Yeah, Eli, Eli twice. And should have did it twice with Lee Evans. Oh, that was Lee you Evans. know that that was yeah. another trip to the Super Bowl right that there. Hurt right there. Yeah, <laughs> Flacco. People forget eleven. What was it? Eleven touchdowns, no picks in that run. Yeah. to the Super Bowl, like one of the great performances. But yeah, just man. like he got his money, he was like, "All right, I'm done." Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, Denver, <laughs> Denver's not a bad place to land either. Yeah. yeah. Oh, last last question. Uh, uh, Jazz Lincoln Center or uh, SF Jazz in terms of the the, the, the physical spaces because they're both great spaces. Which do you prefer? Um, Just between I, us, I'm not. <laughs> no, that's cool. I'm not. Well, yeah. I'm not saying this because I work for the collective because I have a very great relationship with them over there too. I, I have to pick SF Jazz. What, what do you like about their their space? I like that they are more open to other styles of jazz. You mm-hmm. know. We got if jazz is like a, a big tree, and then you got all the branches hanging off of it, and we can 
grow. You know, singers like Jazz and Lincoln Sons, they just want you to pretty much stick with one area. I mean, you can kind of venture off a little bit to, like, Brazilian jazz, but mm-hmm. if you go to any, like, I don't think you'll ever see, uh, uh, at least at Dizzy's or something, I, I don't think you'll ever see Robert Glasper in there. Or yeah. or Christian Scott, you know some they'll, of these new newer folks. Right. I don't think that they'll have Matt Chip in there, but like once every six months or yeah. something. And just like in Allen Room, they'll have one like improvisational type of concert. Yeah. You know, I just don't like see that. them doing that. But out there at SF Jazz, Randall Klein, who is the artistic director, he is totally just like whatever you want to do. I mean, just one concert that comes to mind. I didn't see it, but I know they did it. Jason Moran had this this program he was doing. Uh, Jason Moran in a bandwagon with skateboarders. Mm. So they actually went in there and built a huge skateboarding <laughs> wow. rink and, and you know, did skateboarding <laughs> combined with improvisation. Wow. So, you know, little things that, like you, that. You will not see that at Disney. Nah. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Wendy's right. been on the show. I mean, he's been on the show a couple of times. And, you yeah. know, philosophically, because, I mean, we used to get in these debates about, because um, I like the uh, art ensemble of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he was like saying, like, well, Roscoe, now he said, that, you know, he's not. He, he can't play. He can't, yeah. but you know, and I mean, but, but if, like if some people, if you put Monk, was Monk Oscar Peterson? I mean, yeah, you know. So you're right. Again, that's another show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. It's a huge universe out here. So. Yeah. But you know, it's all good. All right. So this is great. Man. Get, you, you, you're gonna take us home, uh, Jamal. You know, we're, we're getting the producer, producer Aaron. And it's time to get out of here, so we, we got to get out of here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We only have so much time in the studio, right. but um, you know, obviously, another another great show. The great Warren Wolf. Thank you for yes, sir. Being thank here. you. Yes, Appreciate sir. it for coming. Yes, thank yes, you. Yes, Thanks for having me. Wolf, man. Man, see you at the jazz stand. You yeah. should have sold out, right? It's, it's sold uh, out for me? No, it's not sold out for you, man. <laughs> it's not sold out for none of y'all. No, come on up. Yeah, roll, roll, roll me. You, you yeah, good, you know. Come that, on that's, down, that's like my second home, you know. <laughs> come on down. They got some good ribs there. So. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the food's banging. Now, the yeah. food, well, that's another show. That's another show. <laughs> <laughs> food and jazz. Oh, I just started getting into, um, like, you know, well, uh, I don't know. Anyway, but I've been getting more into like cooking stuff. Yeah, yeah. And cooking and stuff. And it really is very fascinating mm-hmm. to really get into. I'll go to a restaurant, see something, I'll take the menu. Oh. Like, I could probably I could probably mm-hmm. I could probably cook this. Yeah. You know, thank God for Google. What's yeah. your favorite dish? Do, do you cook? Uh I don't cook a lot. I mean I'm I'm the type of person. I go to Wegmans when I'm home. I get a rotisserie chicken call it a day. <laughs> you, you like crab cakes? You're Baltimore. You gotta eat oh, crab man, cakes, man. Of course. Where's oh. your favorite place to get crab cakes? There's a place in Baltimore called Pappas. Oh, that's oh I like the place. name. I like the name, man. man. <laughs> I, I Pappas. Took Pappas. Pappas. Uh, it's like a sports bar. But wait, do you go? Do you go to Kuko? Do you know Kuko? I know about that, but I haven't been there. But oh, well, go there. Well, I'm gonna check that. One. Go there. And then, yeah. but what's this Pappas? What's the name? Pappas. Uh, How you spell P-A-P-P-A-S. All right. Last summer, man, I took the, uh, just as a quick thing, real quick, I, um, the SF Jazz Collective came to town. We were playing in Washington, D.C. at the Blue Nose, eight of us in the band. <laughs> and I went, I was like, I got to get y'all these crab cakes. So I went and bought eight colossal crab cakes. It was a $200 bill. <laughs> I was like, it's to my treat. And they loved it. So <laughs> you got it for Pappas? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Where Pappas. where is that? Where is that? It's up in Westminster. In Westminster. Yeah. All right. Or Timonium, I should say. I t- okay. I'll check it out. Check out Kuko's. I will. And I'll check out Pappas. Yeah. But I think Baltimore, man. I, I I took the students. We drove, man. I said, no, I got to take you. You don't get 
crab cakes from anywhere else, you got to get crab cakes. No, a in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Do, do you still go to like is the Lexington Market? Oh yeah, that's still around. To get crab, yeah, you go to Fadley's. Yeah, yeah, you get crabs <laughs> and beer. Yep, crabs and beer. I took a uh, uh, Lee Konitz. He was playing oh, at the ice cream Konitz. Yeah. Uh, he was playing at the <laughs> ice cream. He was playing at the uh, the um, uh, you know the, the that's closed uh, mm-hmm. the, on Sunday, and I, I, I took him there. And I remember he had, that's the first time he had been there yeah, yeah. and had uh, crab, I mean, uh, uh, clams and, uh, mm-hmm. and beer. So, man, it's like Baltimore, man. Yeah. Anyway, we got to go. Hopefully, all these uh, crab cake places can sponsor the show. That'd be great. You know too. what? I was thinking, let's call Pappas. <laughs> <laughs> let's call Pappas. Maybe Pappas would be a, a sponsor of the show. That's and that's we right. get some great crab cakes. That's you know right. <laughs> and also, pool. Now, see, if you play pool, I run a sports and recreation program at my church in mm-hmm. Harlem. On Saturdays, okay, you know, and we've got like, do you play bumper pool? Nah, I just play the regular eight ball. You should come to we do we do it from like uh, ten in the morning to three. Okay, and we have, we have pool, darts, shuffleboard, a lot mm-hmm. of other stuff. If you will come, and and just 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 about education, a lot of the kids. I had a couple of musicians come, and they brought their instrument. Mm. You'd be surprised. A lot of kids have never really seen or held an instrument mm-hmm. before. Right. And heard somebody actually play an instrument, mm-hmm. and once you you know when you're exposed to something, never it cha- changes your whole. It just changes your whole. Like Rock, I brought a mm-hmm. brought a bass bass there. Oh. They never saw that. And they never saw him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, if they would see you come and talk about, talk about your instrument mm-hmm. and play, then they come then they come and hear you play. Yeah. So oh. <laughs> ah, mm-hmm. I get. It. How can I do that? Yeah. And, you know, so and you know what too, like get you if you, if you, yeah, I love to do that, and and it'll be funny to try to call Quest record with Ron Carter yeah. on the bass. Just play that for them. They'd be like, "That's Ron Carter yeah. on the bass." Well, you know, <laughs> what my church is, the church is an inner city in Harlem, uh, and uh, the author of "Twas the Night Before Christmas" uh, is buried there. So every year for the last Ooh. longest running thing, we have a "Twas Night Before." Christmas celebration, and we get a celebrity to read the poem. So two years ago, uh, Ron Carr and I, Ron played the bass, and I oh. read the poem. Wow. And it was like, you know, it was like simple, but amazing. Yeah. And it's, and it's also the experience of, I kind of laughed a couple of times, because, you know, it would be like if you did it, you would be just reading the simple poem and how you would insert things there. It's just mm. really amazing. Anyway, cool. uh, that's it. <laughs> All right. Once again, Warren Wolf. Thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you. it. All right. Great. And uh, if you're listen- obviously listening on, if you're listening on iTunes, uh, give us that five stars. Uh, you know, comment. You can comment who you'd like to uh, have on the show. Any Anything you got to say, that's a good place to do it. Um, and uh, we're out of here. Right, Bill? Good to see you in person. <laughs> the one and only Kazasose. Yeah, guest on my own show. Guest on his own I, I call show. Bill the Black Kazasose for real. <laughs> so who's Kazasose? Oh, usual, usual suspects. suspects. Check that film out. I, I'm not gonna say anymore. Check it out. It, it, it's it's deep. <laughs> okay, we're gonna have another. We're gonna have another thing because then we're gonna get to the whole thing about what 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 movies are you watching? Yeah. What uh, Netflix are you, you watching? <laughs> are you anybody in the Game of Thrones? Oh yeah, not me. Yeah, I'm on. I'm waiting for it. Nah, I think not, it's this yeah. this week, okay. right? But I'm gonna watch Sunday. it when it's all done, mm-hmm. so then I won't have to worry about another you season coming. Well, I'll tell you, brother, yeah. it'll yeah, be crazy. like crack. 
<laughs> yeah, a little like come, crack. You yeah. will not come out of your apartment. <laughs> oh, house, okay. Okay. It is. You will not come out of your basement. Okay. You, yeah, it's legit. I, I would almost like, because my cousin was telling me about that. I mean, my nephew, I mean, for like a year. Yeah. I'm like, Kyle, come on. Some of this, like, you know, 22 year old boy. And just happened to, I just kind of watched an episode. Yeah. And then something happened. I was like, wow, really? <laughs> and the next episode, man, like, it was like daylight yeah. next time. Wow. So. If my wife was watching it for a while, and I was like, oh, I'm not into that sci fi stuff. Right, da-da. right. And then uh, she got me to watch that first episode. And then the way it, that first episode ends, it's a wrap. When you, you think, watch, you know, you watch, watch these shows, like the star of the show, you think, well, star of the show is going to be around for a while. <laughs> I was going to say that. Okay, come on. We got to go. We out. We got to go. We out. <laughs> we all got to play. Yeah. Hey, man, this is great. Thank I appreciate you. it, man. Uh, no, Thank you. Listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.